This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. I'm glad you're here today. Good to have you in the house of the Lord. Good to worship with you. If you're guests, we're glad you're here. If you're watching live stream, we're glad you're here. If you're a regular, we're glad you're here. Lots of glad you're here, huh? Bless all of you. If you need a Bible, we're glad you're here. Now, if you need a Bible, get your hand up real high. Our ushers that get you on, and then we will begin this morning in the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 33. 2 Chronicles, chapter 33, and so we're still on our series here, The Touch of God, that uh, God would put a fresh anointing on us, and just as we navigate through the scriptures today, I, I believe this will happen, that we'll catch God's heart in this today, that God will move. So from last week, we know in 2 Chronicles 16, that God's eyes go to and fro across the earth looking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. So God's still on a search for a certain type of heart. Now, if you're a student of the word of God, this is all the bloodline of Jesus today. This would be Matthew chapter one, verse 10. I'm gonna highlight a little bit of it where we're going here. In this bloodline this time was a man named Hezekiah. And then Hezekiah went to Manasseh, Manasseh went to Ammon, and then Ammon went to a a young king named Josiah. One of the reasons I took this part of the the scriptures was within these four generations here, one of them was the most wicked of them all, and the other one was one of the most godly of them all. And, And you may say, well, how's that possible in a bloodline? Well, that that may kind of look like your bloodline or my bloodline, that there may be a lot, a lot of ungodliness, wickedness in your bloodline, but there's also some godly. And so Hezekiah was the first one that was in this bloodline. Hezekiah was godly. The Bible would say about Hezekiah that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So we start there with one that's very, very godly, but now we pick up in 2 Chronicles 33 verse 1. Now Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. But he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. Now most believe right here out of the the 20 rulers of the kingdom of Judah, this guy right here was the most wicked. This guy named Manasseh. So not only did he bring back the worships of the idol of Baal, but they served the idols of Baal. Some of the things that I I read about this guy, just, just incredible. Just listen to some of the inventory of his life. He caused the sons to pass through the valley of the son of Hinnom, which literally meant he was notorious for sacrificing his children. That's a crazy devil right there. That's crazy that going, but it also says about him, he practiced soothsaying, he used witchcraft and sorcery, he consulted mediums and spirits, he did much evil in the sight of the Lord. Not only that, he had the audacity to put a carved image right in the middle of the temple. And so the Lord tried to speak to him, he's tried to speak to the people, but they wouldn't listen. Now, it's interesting that at the end of his life, he was in really, really a bad state, and it said he called upon the Lord. 
He humbled himself before the Lord. So at the end of his life, he, come, he turns to the Lord. He wastes his whole life until there at the end. The only reason I want to highlight is this. I, I don't care how young you are or how old you are, you can still come to the Lord, okay? God will still receive you just as you are, okay? Same chapter, verse 21. Ammon was 22 years old when he became king. He reigned two years in Jerusalem, but he did evil in the sight of the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. For Ammon sacrificed to all the carved images which his father Manasseh had made and served them. And he did not humble himself before the Lord as his father Manasseh had humbled himself. But Ammon trespassed more and more. So this guy named Ammon, who's in Jesus' bloodline, his life ends because he's assassinated. He dies that way. And so now we pick up chapter 34, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old. Now you read that right. He was eight years old. When he became king and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And he walked in the ways of his father David. And he did not turn to the side, to the right hand or to the left. Now, I, I look at this guy named Josiah and I think, okay, his daddy was ungodly. His grandfather was maybe the wickedest of them all. So what would move within him to say, you know what, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to search God. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to serve him. And I think that's what happens with every one of us, that on the inside of us, God has put this DNA that we come to a place in our life and we realize there's got to be more to life than how I'm living. Anybody like that? That's what happened. I realized, man, there's, there's got to be more to life than, than, than being a drunk all the time. Something's missing. And it's interesting here that it says that he began to serve God when he was young. Let me, let me ask a raise of hands right here. If you're in here and you've served God since you were really, really young, raise your hand. Man, that's, that's huge. It's one of the greatest testimonies to me. People just serve God from a young age, and guess what happens? The kingdom gets built on the inside of them, and they live a life that, that trusts God, that looks to God, that has greater adventures than Peter Pan ever had. Ever. So he begins to serve God. He begins to seek God. It says, he walked in God's ways. Verse 3, for in the eighth year, he's now whopping 16 of his reign while he was still young. He began to seek the God of his father, David. And in the 12th year, he's now 20, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. He broke down the altars of the barrels in the presence and the incense altars, which were above them. He cut down the wooden image, the carved images, the molded images. He broke in pieces and made dust of them and scattered on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. Now, I... I highlight this with his life. He begins to, to seek God. He begins to search for God. 
But it's interesting here, it says that he began to purge. He began to remove all the junk, the debris. And I think he realizes the reason our life is so jacked up is because all this stuff in our lives. And so it's a great thing to search for God, but there comes a time in all our lives where God's saying, there's some things in your life that really need to be purged. That you really need to cut them off. And you know what? The Lord may be dealing with you on areas. That he'll grace you in that area to, to cut those things, to have them removed. So we go on and he says here in verse 5. He also burned the bones of the priests on the altars and he cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And he began to scrub the place clean. Verse 8. In the 18th year, now he's a whopping 26, in his reign, he purged the land and the temple. He had to go in and purge the temple. The, the church, within the church, there was a bunch of junk too. And if we keep reading this verse eight, he, he has the desire, I gotta go back in the house of God and I gotta repair the house of God. It must have been in bad shape, not only spiritually, but physically. So he says, we gotta get all this money where we can pay the, the, the workers to come in and get the house of God back into order. Same chapter, start with me in verse 14. I'm gonna be here a little bit for a little bit. Now when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. Then Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I, I found the book of the law in the house of the Lord and Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. Now, I, I read this and I think, Wait a minute. This was in the house of God. And so if they hadn't had the Bible, if they hadn't had the word of God, he said they found the book of, of the revelation of God. If they didn't have the book of God in their hands, what were they looking to? What, what was the blueprint of their life? What modeled the way that God wanted them to live and us to live? Do you know that's what the Bible is? It's the blueprint of how God desires for us to live. You know, the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, he said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so I, I look at everything that's being said here. And each one of us, we can purge things outwardly. We can get rid of all the debris and the junk of our lives. But the things I remove outwardly doesn't change me inwardly. There's a few things that will only change you inwardly. Number one, you got to get born again. You gotta give your heart to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, be Lord of my life. Number two, you gotta get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Spirit of the living God. And then third, and I, I, need, an, I need an appetite for the Word of God. Do you hunger for the Word of God? Do you hunger for the truth? You know, there was a great evangelist years ago named Smith Wigglesworth. What a name, huh? 
But he made this statement and he said, we feed our natural man three hot meals a day and we feed our spirit man one cold snack a week and we wonder why we're spiritually malnourished. And I highlight, this was what was going on in Josiah's life, and I believe this is what's happening right now among many of us. And so direction, not intention, is determined or determines my destination. Direction, not intention. Direction only comes from the Word of God. So let me ask you something. Where are you getting your direction at in your life? And so right here with them, it's no wonder the nation and the people were in such a mess spiritually and morally because they had abandoned the truth. Let me give you a little thought here real quick. If we went back into the book of Genesis, how did God create Adam? You can answer that. Anybody know? Out of the dirt. Dirt. That's why little boys like to play in the dirt. That's why I like to come home dirty. It's just part of their DNA. But there's something that happens with dirt. That dirt that is never cultivated or plowed or water has the ability to become hard. And I believe spiritually it's the same way with us. That spiritually, if I do not sit under the word of God, if I don't plow my heart and I don't cultivate my heart and I don't water my heart, I'm going to become hard-hearted. And you know, it takes a real person, a real human being, a man or woman to say, that's me, I'm hard-hearted right now. Man, let God come back in. So we keep reading here what goes on here. So he found the book of the law. In verse 17, and they have gathered the money that was found in the house of the Lord and delivered to the hand of the overseers and the workmen. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book and Shaphan read it before the book. He's given me a book. Verse 19, listen, listen. Thus it happened when the king heard, when the king heard the words of the law that he tore his clothes. You know what that means? It signifies that he, he was remorseful. He was in grief. He realized how far from the things of God they had drifted. He tore his clothes. Verse 20, and then it lists a bunch of these guys' names, so skip verse 20. Go to verse 21, just a bunch of names, okay? I'd butcher every one of them. <laughs> he said, go inquire the Lord for me, for those who are left in Israel and Judah, concerning the words of the book that is found. Here's the book, here's the word. For great is the wrath or the anger of the Lord that is poured out on us because, now watch the because factor here, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that is written in this book. They quit obeying the word of God. They, they quit 
listening to the Word of God. They quit heeding the Word of God. And, and you can do that. But there's going to be consequences. Do you know the Apostle Paul warned in 2 Timothy 4, 3, he said, in these last days, there's going to become this thing called tickling of ears. That a society doesn't want to hear the Word of God. They prefer fables. They prefer stories. And I can't get away from the Word of God. You've got to stay with the Scripture day by day. And the Lord Jesus himself, he, he said in, in Matthew 24, 12, he said the last days would be marked by lawlessness, a lot of wickedness. And iniquity will bound. You know what the word iniquity means? It means prolonged sin. Bound. Kind of sounds like our, our nation right now. So without the Bible, what is morally correct has now become incorrect. And without the Bible, there is no moral standards. So many people right now in our world will say this, we're free from the outdated Bible. It's outdated. The Bible's not outdated. The Bible has always been the standard and it'll always be the standard. Always. And just because people don't believe the Bible and just because people don't agree with the Bible, it doesn't change the truth. It's still the truth. When this guy named Josiah's life, he's like, I need the truth. Would that identify me right now? Man, we all need the truth. Verse 22. So Hilkiah and those the king had appointed went to hold to the prophetess, the wife of Shalom. Did we read that correct? Hold to the prophetess, the wife? That's a woman. Now, that'll wreck your theology real quick, won't it? All you women ought to be saying, preach it, pastor, preach it. Preach it. Do you know the word of God says this? That there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither male nor female. We're all just children of God. You know what, we better keep moving real, real quick, okay? Or I may get in trouble. Verse 23. Then she answered them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, tell the man who sent you to me. Now watch this prophetess, this chilling prophecy, watch this. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants. All the curses that are written in the book they have read before the king of Judah because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods that they may provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my, my wrath will be poured out on this place and not be quenched. I can live however I want with no consequences. Not what she just prophesied. 
that when I get away from what God desires and tells me to do in the Word, there's going to be consequences. And it wasn't good. And her prophecy was to correct them, to help them, to say, man, this is how far we've gotten away from God. Verse 26. But as for the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord in this manner, you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which you've heard. Listen, listen. Because your heart was tender. Woo, your heart was tender. It was soft. It was responsive. It wasn't hard. And you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against the inhabitants. And you humbled yourself before me. And you tore your clothes and you wet before me. I also have heard you, says the Lord. And I believe this guy got on his knees. I believe this guy repented. This guy said, Lord, I've been wrong. I've been off. I've been missing it. And God said, I've heard you, pal. I've heard you. See, again, God, God looks for that certain type of heart again. A tender heart, a, a, a repentive heart. Not a perfect heart, not a flawless heart, but a heart that says, man, I blew it. I missed it again, Lord. Same chapter, verse 31. Then the king stood in this place and made a covenant before the Lord. You know what I kind of picture him doing? He had repaired the, he'd repaired the temple. And I picture him coming into the temple and, and coming to the altar and raising his hands to heaven. And, and, and look what he does. He said, we're going to make a covenant before the Lord. We're going to follow him. We're going to keep his commandments, his testimonies, his statutes with all his heart, all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in the book. He said, Lord, I, I stand before you. I make a covenant with you. I go into partnership with you, Father God. We're going to live for you. Verse 32, and he made all who were present in Jerusalem, Benjamin, take a stand. So the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Thus Josiah removed all the abominations from all the country that belonged to the children of Israel. And he made all who were present in Israel diligently serve the Lord their God. All his days, they did not depart from following the Lord God of their fathers. It's amazing what the heart of one man can do. It changed an entire nation. And that's the same with one, just the power of one at times. And I thank God, his, his eyes scan the earth just, just looking for the one. Just the one who'll say, Father God, I, I, I hunger for you. I desire to please you. I desire to live for you. Go with me to the book of Mark chapter 3. And as we turn to Mark 3, we fast forward 600 years in time. Mark chapter 3. Once you get there, I'm going to start in verse 1. And it says, And he entered the synagogue again. Jesus entered the synagogue again. It's amazing how many times in the Bible you find Jesus on the Sabbath in the synagogue. 
Do you know the church is a big deal to Jesus? It's not a big deal, it's a huge deal. Matthew 16, verse 18, it says, and I will build my church. The Lord Jesus said that. And the gates of hell won't prevail against my church. And so Jesus is back in the synagogue. He's back in the house of God. And a man was there who had a withered or a shriveled hand. So they, the religious, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the couldn't sees, the wouldn't sees, they watched him closely with intense scrutiny whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him of an infraction. Now the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 9, those who are healthy or those who are well are not in need of a physician. Only those who are sick But if you really want to break that down, every one of us in here is sick. <laughs> We're all sick spiritually. Every one of us. Ooh, I welcome the physician today. Go to work in my heart, physician. So he said to the man who had withered hands, step forward. Then he said to them, all the religious fellas, is it lawful or is it best on the Sabbath to do good or to evil, to save life or to kill? Better stated, is it better to help people or to leave helpless people still hurting? What's best? Now, when Jesus asks this question, what's best? I, I would think the answer is pretty obvious. Unless you're full of religion. Unless you came to the Sabbath service at the synagogue for the wrong reason. So that's the question now. Why, why do I come to the house of God? I don't know about you, but the greatest thing about the house of God to me is, is the welcoming of the body of Christ, that we get to praise God together, that we get to stand here as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we get to see people get born again, we see the, the lost come back, we see people healed, we see miracles. Those are the things I love. But it's interesting to me that he had to ask these guys this obvious question. And look at their response. But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them, when he had looked around at them, I want you to get this, because it's like Jesus is right there in the city and he looks around at them and I think he does eye contact with them one on one, one on one. He looks at every one of them and, and look what the B-I-B-L-E says right here with anger. This is the Lord Jesus. He's not happy. He's saying, you know, the Lord said to me in Matthew or Mark 16, he said, you're to lay hands on this you're to lay hands on them. I wondered if he wanted to lay hands on them. <laughs> I 
Mama say, knock you out. The Lord Jesus was angry. And what, what got the Lord Jesus to a place of anger? Watch real close. He was grieved by the hardness of their hearts. Whew, the soil of their heart was so hard. They were more concerned about the letter of the law than the actual healing of a man. And when I read this, I think this was the very opposite of King Josiah. His heart was tender. See, if you had to go inside your heart today, where would it be? Is your heart tender? Humble? Or are you hard-hearted? I, I got good news. Even if you are hard-hearted, our Lord and Savior Jesus, he knows how to take a chisel and some of you a pick. And he loves you so much, he'll begin to chip away that hard heart. If you'll allow it, he'll come in there and he'll, he'll cause you to melt like wax in his presence. How do I know that? He's the physician. So being grieved by the hardness of the heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. I, I, I don't give a flip what those guys think. And he stretched out his hand, was restored as whole as the other. And, and as we read this right here, you say, well, what's this got to do with me right now? Well, I look at this passage and this man had a withered hand, but the religious had a withered heart. And it all comes back to the condition of my heart. Where, where's my heart at to this day? Is my heart more concerned about playing church? Is my heart more concerned about coming to church as a duty? Or is my heart coming and saying, you know what? I love the house of God. I love when people get born again. I love when people get touched. I, I love to see people that are messes and they come, become miracles. I love these things. Why don't you stand up here? Ooh, the goodness of God here. You know, many times in the Bible, it will say how the Lord Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. Does that, does that resonate with any of us? How about this? Lord Jesus, break my heart with what breaks yours. Lord Jesus, grace me today that I would see people through your eyes and I would see people through your tears and I would touch them through the hands who created them. And so I'm, I'm studying this and one of the mornings I was studying, I, I got back to the young king, Josiah, the tender-hearted. And he stood before God. 
And it said, he made a covenant before him. And he said, Lord, we're gonna serve you. We're gonna obey you. We're gonna live for you. With all my heart, with all my soul. And he said in there, and we're gonna perform the words of the covenant that were written in the book. And I thought, what would happen if we made that covenant today? What would happen if I said, you know what, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Remember that, that was the big thing that, that was said to Joshua, Joshua 24, 15. They, they got all this stuff going on and they're trying to figure out what to do and Joshua's pretty much saying, listen, listen, I don't know what all you yahoos are gonna do, but I can tell you right now, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. We'll serve the Lord. You know what that means? I think it's high time that the church quits apologizing for Jesus. <laughs> Why'd you tweet that one out? <laughs> so guess what? I'm gonna welcome you right now. You may need to give your heart to Jesus. I'm gonna slow down just here a little bit. If you need to give your heart to Jesus or you need to rededicate today, You've never made Jesus Lord of your life, or you say, you know what? I've, I've, I've gotten off the path. I've got, I'm, I'm needing to come home today. Do you know Jesus still sends out invitations to come home? He said, come on. You know what he says? Come just as you are. Come just as you are. If that's you and you're here today and you need, you need to receive Jesus today, you need a fresh touch of God on your, come on right now. Get out of your seat unapologetically and come on down here. We're going to have to take care of that first before we go on. Anybody here today? Come on, come on. <laughs> come on. Good day. Come on, come on. Look at them. Here they come. Woohoo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a day. What a day. Praise the Lord. Heaven, heaven, heaven is happy. Happy, happy, happy. You know, uh, I see it's all, all ladies down here. Modern day holders, huh? Where are you men at? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna ask any of our ladies on our prayer team, come down here behind these ladies, okay? Come on, we, we wanna make this just life changing where these ladies are gonna lay hands on you. You know what they're saying? We believe in you. We believe in you. Everybody here today, if you feel comfortable doing this, if you don't feel comfortable, that's okay. Raise your hands here to heaven. You watching by live stream, I'm talking to some of you too right now. Father God, say this from your heart. Father God, I come to you today as a sinner. I, I've blown it. I've got all this junk in my life. And I ask you today, to forgive me of my sin. And Lord Jesus, first of all, I ask you to wash me from all my sin. Woo, scrub me, Lord Jesus. And come into my heart. And Jesus, 
I confess you as Lord of my life. I'm honored to call you Lord. Thank you for saving me. Thank you according to the scriptures. My name is registered in heaven. Woohoo! Yeah, come on, let's clap. Wow. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Woo! We, we, we could quit right now, but I don't think God's done. So you know what? I, I don't know if you want to come individually. You may want to come as a married couple. You may want to come as a family. But what would happen if we just step out today and, and follow what Josiah, where he said, we're going to serve you, Father God. We're going to serve you. And if that's you, you want to be a part of the covenant today, I welcome you to come down here. Just come down here. I believe God's going to do something here today that there will be a fresh anointing that's going to be released on you and in your family and your children and some of you that have no hope. Come and get hope. Some of you, your life has been defined by defeat. Come walk in victory today through Christ Jesus. Some of you that need a miracle. He's, he's a miracle worker. He's way maker. He's still a promise keeper. All we're doing is giving you a life, uh, an opportunity to, to get your life to connect with God. And so as our team gets ready to sing here, I, I welcome you to say, Lord, I, I, I welcome a covenant with you, Lord. We're going to obey you. We're going to serve you and we're going to live by the word. Go ahead and sing. Call out to God right now, okay? Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.